0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Wendy Myers. Hey, Evan, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? You know, you got to call me on the air. Do you have the phone number for that? (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, we're live right now, everyone. Thank you so much. Welcome to Live to 110 podcast. We're just having some technical difficulties. Uh, uh, You need to call Evan. The number you need to call is 917 889 2838. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, sorry, everyone. Uh, This is a Live to 110 podcast. Sorry, guest was a little bit confused about where he needed to call into. Um, But... My name is Wendy Myers. I'm a health and nutrition coach. I started my site, Live210.com, to educate people about, you know, all about health and nutrition and how to treat their health conditions naturally without medication and how to detox from heavy metals and industrial chemicals so prevalent in today's toxic world. And my goal at Live210.com is to help you avoid disease and live a long, healthy, happy life. But please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition because that would be illegal. Live to 110 radio is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that I suggest on this show. So, if you if you have any questions or comments for our guest today about the paleo diet, please call in at 917 917- uh, 889-2838. Again, that phone number is 917-889-2838. So last week's show was great. Uh, You really need to hear Nikki Moses from MosesNutrition.com about nutritional balancing with hair mineral analysis. This protocol completely heals your entire body simply by giving you targeted supplements while detoxing your body. It has profound and far-reaching effects on your health, exactly what I've experienced doing this program for the last year. And it's so compelling that I'm training in the protocol because it's just amazing. All of my clients improve on this program and the results just can't be ignored. So give that show on Nutritional Balancing a listen. And next week, I have uh, Leader Chan of Orthopedic Therapy and Associates on the show. He's a doctor of physical therapy. I finally succumbed to physical therapy after I had unrelenting back pain following the birth of my child, and I put off getting help because I thought that physical therapy was for older, debilitated people. Basically, you know, I was in denial that I actually fell into this category but Dr. Leader is going to explain to us why it is so important to see a physical therapist if you're in pain or have an injury. Waiting to treat an injury only makes it worse. So we'll also touch on, you know, the health conditions that respond really well to physical therapy. So if you have any injury or are in pain of any kind, definitely give next week's show a listen. So our guest today is Evan Brand. Hey, Evan, how are you doing?
1: Hi, Wendy.
0: Am I here now? Yes, you are here. Thank you for joining us.
1: Awesome, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. So honored to have you on the show. I've been on your show a few times and figured it was time to put you in the hot seat. <laughs> for yeah, thank it. you. Skin you and grill you today.
1: Yeah, please do.
0: So and I so before we start, I had a little disclaimer that I wanted to talk about in regards to diets. Um, and so it's diet rants because I definitely think that the paleo diet is a diet that will work for most people and this is why I'm doing this show. However, I just want to make it real clear that this diet is not going to work for everyone um, because everyone is quite different. For instance, you know, it's not going to work for people with kidney disease who can't handle protein, their kidneys just can't handle it. And you know, people seem to be thriving on all different kinds of diets, but however, given all my study and research, I personally believe that the paleo diet is the diet that's going to work for most people and should definitely be given a try. You know, I, I, the reason I put this disclaimer out there was because I've gotten a few hate mails over doing this show, advocating the eating of animals. So I just wanted to say one word about that. I was a vegetarian for a couple of years with six months without being vegan, which is no meat or dairy. The books on the veggie diet sound really compelling, Research is really poorly done. That uh, the the results are manipulated, and and, then, and they basically tell you that study after study that show that eating vegetarians will you know all these books basically show you that eating vegetarian will protect you from getting heart disease, stroke, and all the diseases of Western affluence. And this is the reason I went on, on the diet. I wanted this health insurance. But I wanted to get very clear that while there is a, the studies do show that there's a reduction in vegetarians of these diseases compared to meat eaters, it's not automatic automatic insurance that you won't die of a stroke or heart attack or cancer because vegetarians do die of stroke and cancer, etc. People who eat meat are usually, uh, you know, they're eating deadly factory farm meat. They eat more flour and sugar, you know, which is, are the real killers in our diet. They also tend to smoke and drink more, and they have other bad health habits more than average than vegetarians. So when you see studies showing that vegetarians are healthier, it's not necessarily because they're not eating meat. It's because they have healthier habits overall. And it's not meat that's bad for you. An unhealthy lifestyle and bad factory farm meat is bad for you. So I want to make this absolutely clear, because the paleo diet advocates eating grass-fed meat, which is biochemically and nutritionally hugely different than regular factory-farm meats, and it confers tremendous health benefits as a result. So let's get on today with today's show after my little rant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Today we're interviewing Evan Brand from NotJustPaleo.com, and we're going to shed some light on how important it is to follow the footsteps of our ancestors by following a paleo diet and get caveman fitness tips with a few questions about ancestral health and fitness. Because I personally want to be fit like a caveman because they are in really good shape. So if you've been wondering what all the fuss is about over the paleo diet, this is a show that you've got to listen to. So so Evan Brand, you've got a great website. It's called notjustpaleo.com. I really, really like your blog. I think it's really insightful.
1: And um,
0: so basically, uh, how did you get into paleo?
1: Well, first, I want to say thanks, Wendy. And 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 secondly, I got into paleo by accident, really. So I was 120 pounds. I was very skinny, and Mm -hmm. I loved playing sports, but I could not gain weight to save my life. So I had a friend who was an amateur bodybuilder who competes in shows and stuff like that, and he was kind of my idol. And I just saw what he was doing, and he was just eating tons of vegetables and meats. And at the time, I was just eating conventional meats. So... I just started following what he was doing. I was eating meats and vegetables and I was gaining weight and then just reading bodybuilding articles and different things like that. I came across this whole paleo diet and I said, wow, I'm basically eating everything that's on this diet and I didn't even know that it had a name. So then I look further into it and then I find the specifics about it and then I just adopted it since. So it's been about a year for me but I've got great results. I've already felt... A lot better just by eliminating sugar as much as possible. Of course, I still get sugar from fruit, but that's pretty much how I got into it. It's just wanting to gain weight and build muscle and just feel better. So I sleep better now. My energy levels are more stable throughout the day. I don't have any of those carb crashes that most people experience at 3 o'clock because your Pop-Tarts and your bagel wore off from lunch and different things like that.
0: Yeah, I have the same thing. I felt really good around 3 o'clock. Yep. No more crashing.
1: Right. So what def- is the paleo diet? The paleo diet is, it's, we have to attach the label or the term paleo to it just to try to help explain what it is. So basically, just because we've invented all these foods in the 21st century, now we have to come up with a trendy name for eating the food that used to exist on this planet naturally and still does exist, but it's just not sold to you the same way. So the paleo diet is basically based off a diet that was what brought Homo sapiens to what they are today. And we were hunter-gatherers. We were living in small tribes, and we were hunting and foraging while, generally speaking, the women would stay at home or stay in the cave. So the men would run out and we would have tons of wild game, deer, elk, bison, all these great sources of protein that were wild game. And these were animals that were eating grass mm-hmm. and bugs and all kind of other things. So basically we're eating, we try to eat either wild game So deer is great. There's plenty of deer where I live. That would be good if you could have all wild game, but that's kind of unrealistic for a lot of the people, especially where you live in Los Angeles. It would be kind of hard for you to get wild game unless you order online. So the paleo diet is just meat, fruit, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, and healthy fats is something that is one of the main foundations of the paleo diet, and that's something that the mainstream has not caught on at all. Yeah, I know. Fats are
0: so important for health.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's the scariest and it's the most important part of your diet or what should be in your diet because the mainstream low-fat thing is just not working. I mean, look around at all these different marketed terms on potato chip bags and frozen meals. Everyone thinks that low-fat is the answer, and it's not the answer. So that's where the paleo diet strays Mm -hmm. from the standard American or standard European, wherever you are.
0: Dynamics. Yeah, I know. We've been told that for decades, that we need to eat low fat to protect our hearts, and it's, it's a lie.
1: Right. So healthy fats, we're talking about grass-fed butter, coconut oil being the main thing that you hear about in the paleo community. Just because it adds a nice flavor, it's got a good source of fat in it, and the medium-chain triglycerides is actually what most of coconut oil is. So there's another thing that's more popular now, and it's called MCT oil, which literally just stands for medium-chain triglycerides. And that is 100% versus the 60% MCT that's in coconut oil. So that's something that you can literally put in your coffee. This this thing that is getting very popular is called Bulletproof Coffee. A guy named Dave Asprey came up with it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure it's existed long before he came up with it, but he's the one who kind of coined the term. Mm-hmm. and basically you're just trying to get as high-quality fats as you can in your coffee in the morning. And so you could put butter or you could put the MCT oil in there. And when you start your day off with a healthy fat like that, you just feel better, and it's just the, the most optimal way to start your day.
0: Hmm. Well, so, you know, there's over 10,000 sites dedicated to the paleo diet. Uh, why do you think the paleo diet is catching on so much?
1: First, because it works. So a lot of people are coming here with autoimmune diseases and different type of health problems. But I was someone who was coming here with the only thing that I had really wrong with me was irritable bowel syndrome. And as soon as I eliminated bread, I got so much better. My symptoms improved. I didn't have to run to the bathroom and always be afraid that I was going to be somewhere without one. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't so this just trying to pay attention and eliminate gluten and bread and other sources of it in general actually healed me so that's the reason that it's that it's gaining in popularity is because it works for people so whether you're someone who's trying to build muscle, whether you're someone who's trying to lose weight or whether you have some other sort of debilitating health condition that you're trying to recover from the paleo diet actually helps in all of those because it's the only human diet that used to exist, so there was no alternative you know these hundred calorie snack packs and doritos they never used to exist but now that we have an alternative that's where it gets scary
0: yeah that's why it makes so much sense to me just i don't care what any study says just common sense wise if you eat a diet that were our body is adapted to eat for millions of years we're going to be healthier because that's these are the foods our body was meant to function on the animal proteins and uh you know the vegetables and you know cutting out the for the most part the the grains and sugar our bodies just they just destroy our bodies
1: right and and a lot of people they like to nitpick and say that the the diet and the food that we have today is not the same well that's true it's not the same with selective breeding and different things like that. you and I talked about that too just the the fact that fruits are so much sweeter and they're bred to have a higher sugar content naturally than they used to. That's just one small change. So if you want to nitpick on it, you can, you can not try it. But if you just try it for 30 days, just try to eliminate, the main things are just trying to eliminate processed food and sugars and grains. If you can do that, just those three to start, eliminate that for 30 days and just see what happens. Mm -hmm you'll get good results you'll feel like crap at first but that's because your body is addicted to your food it's addicted to your sugar and carb intake so you will feel better after about a week or two
0: okay now frequently when i mention the paleo diet to someone they mention how cavemen only lived on average until 30 years old so why would you want to eat a paleo diet can you debunk this myth
1: yeah that's something that is probably one of the last straws that people really have to go towards when they hear about the paleo diet. And so there's there's a thing called evolutionary health promotion, and it's this preventative medicine article. I can give you a link to it. It was something I was just reading earlier. And it says, a consideration of common counterarguments. And that's one of the main things covered in this. And what we've learned is life expectancy Will not change that much when it's free from all these different toxins, but the main thing was childbirth and dying basically very early childbirth deaths were the main cause of this this average life expectancy. so now that we have a very very successful birth rate as a society, that has actually changed the life expectancy, so that's some of the the main differences and a quote from this that I want to mention is a population with a life expectancy of 40 at birth will inevitably, inevitably have much lower mortality mortality from cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and stroke than will a population with an average life expectancy of 75. So that might be hard to digest, but basically when you read this, you just discover that our diet is not necessarily what caused this mortality rate. There were all different kinds of diseases and other stuff that were wiping us out. So to, to try to go back and say that food was the problem is just kind of bad science, really.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point because I kind of, when I first heard that, I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would the cavemen live till 30 and we're living to 70? It's It can't just be medications or, or, or diet or whatnot. It's definitely because uh, there's probably a lot of children dying at childbirth and infant mortality before the age of five and... Dying in dying of infections and accidents and all kinds of stuff.
1: Right, yeah, just simple things. Just simple things like a cut that would get infected just because of lack of education or lack of experience with that stuff. That could be, you know, just a simple cut could turn into a big infection and turn into a big health problem rather than today we just spray some alcohol on it and then we're fine, so...
0: What does the paleo diet look like? It's like? What kind of foods do you eat? What does your dinner or breakfast look like?
1: My typical dinner is some source of protein always. I try to get protein in at every meal, and I think that is very important. So after cooking some kind of chicken, you want to go for chicken that was raised on a pasture, like I said, we have to come up with labels now because the food industry is so confusing. So when you try to go for chicken, if you do, you want the pasture-raised chicken because chickens are meant to be out in a yard grazing and not in a warehouse on top of hundreds of thousands of other chickens. So that's the chicken I go for. I usually have some sort of mixed greens. So you can eat raw greens if you would like. Kale, spinach, any type of greens are good for you but you should mix it up and cook the greens occasionally. So eating raw greens all the time. If you're somebody who's coming from a raw food diet, you probably should cook your greens. There's a lot more uh, absorption that happens with all these vitamins and minerals in the food when you cook your greens. So say chicken, greens, and then I'll usually have some source of fat. So if I'm going to cook, the chicken in a pan, I'll just throw the coconut oil in there or I'll throw the butter in there and cook with that and use that as my fat source. And then occasionally, I'll have a sweet potato after my workout just because I obviously crave carbs after my workout. Mm-hmm. And then and then if I'm trying to replenish myself or just add some extra, extra sugar coming from fruit and extra protein, I'll make a smoothie. And in my smoothie... I'll use either a coconut milk, a hemp milk, almond milk. I'll throw some raspberries, blueberries, blackberries. I'll throw that in with some leaves of kale and a scoop of whey protein and throw that in, and it is delicious. Mm. That, is, that is my beverage for my dinner sometimes.
0: I'm hungry right now. That sounds real good. <laughs> yeah. And so can you, that sounds a little bit atypical, because a lot of paleo enthusiasts aren't into starches or not into the potatoes or tubers. And so what is your take on that?
1: It depends on every single person. So this is a very specific case-by-case basis. You have to test the foods. So if you do stick to a very strict paleo diet, you will not be eating these, any types of sweet potatoes or anything like that, they, call, they, they have a category. They call them nightshades. And nightshades are other things like tomatoes, and these are things that can influence you, and they can influence the way you feel, especially for somebody who's coming from celiac or you just have a lot more damage to your intestinal system. Tomatoes and starches can affect you that way. So you just have to test them, and mm-hmm. if you feel better, When you eat them, then that's great. If you feel okay when you eat them, that's great. But if you feel bad when you eat them, you should probably remove them from your diet. So it's just a case-by-case basis. They happen to work for me. Another thing that people don't do is dairy. That's something that's not into the paleo diet just because when you trace back the roots of getting raw milk from cows, you know, cows technically aren't paleo because they're a modern animal created from... An ancient animal, but the inclusion of dairy is something that I do also. So sometimes I'll drink some, I haven't found a raw milk distributor here yet, but occasionally I will have some local cheese or some sort of dairy like that.
0: So I know the paleo diet is, uh, you know, typically advocates wild or grass fed meat. Can you explain (sighs) some of the differences between grass fed meat and conventional factory farm meats?
1: Yeah, there are. Literally completely different, so you, you mentioned before that they're actually biochemically different, so basically the corn fed the corn fed beef that you're eating at your normal grocery store it's been it's been so altered the corn itself is probably genetically modified to start, and they're coming from these confined animal feeding operations, so you hear them called. Cafos. That's what you'll see. That's where most of your meat's coming from. And not only does it have very dangerous levels of hormones in it, the fact that it's eaten a genetically modified corn its entire life actually goes into your body. So, I mean, you are what you eat. And if you're eating these unhealthy, sick cows, you're going to end up the same way. So that's why you should avoid the store-bought meat if you can or the mainstream corn-fed beef. And now when you get into the grass-fed beef, there's actually a different uh, fat content. So what we see in grass-fed cows is that you have a higher level of omega-3s. And these fats are very important for brain function. So if you're not getting grass-fed beef, you're probably going to have brain fog and all different kinds of other symptoms from eating the conventional diet. And when you have these good fats in your system and you have a good ratio, that's something that's different, too. You hear about the two most common fats, the omega-3s and your omega-6s. The ratios in these are different, too. So too much omega-6 is what makes us sick. And the ratio is a lot more balanced in the grass-fed cow. So it's the hormones, it's what they're fed, it's the way that they're raised. That's important, too. So a grass-fed cow is a a very good start, but obviously if we start making confined feeding operations for grass-fed cows, we'll start to get ourselves in trouble there, too.
0: Hey, everybody out there, you listeners, if you have a comment or question for our guest today, anything about the paleo diet, please call in at 917-889-2838. Again, that's 917-889-2838. We are dying to hear from you and answer your questions at the end of the interview, so let us know.
1: So,
0: uh huh.
1: I said that's great, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so Evan, how is the paleo diet good for weight loss and fat
1: burning? Well, basically, we look back at, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about this too. You notice there's a there's a common theme here, but there's a lot of skepticism about the amount of carbs that ancestral eating would have been like. So basically you're reducing your carbs. And you're reducing your carbs not purposely. It's just a side effect. So I don't like people to focus on your carb intake or anything like that. But basically, when you eliminate bread and you eliminate grains, those are two very big sources of carbs in the mainstream diet. And when you eliminate those two, it just so happens you're reducing your carbs. And when you reduce your carbs, you can lose weight because carbs are basically sugar to the body. So just by eliminating some of these things, you're going to be losing weight. And also, when you're eating all these different types of greens and vegetables in your diet, you're going to be burning fat. That's just the properties of them. And when you combine this with exercise, which is my other favorite topic, basically it's just a compounding effect. So the reason that the paleo diet just creates a general overall healthy body is because of this reduction in carbs. That's one of the main things. And the inclusion of fats. So those are probably two of the two of the biggest reasons.
0: Yeah, because a lot of people think that if you eat fat, you you gain fat, you you accumulate fat. But what is your take on that?
1: It's absolutely false, and you should absolutely be getting fat unless you are, like I said, unless you're a sensitive person. You should be getting fat in the mornings. So eggs, eggs actually have more fat than they have protein. And you hear about people taking out the yolks. Well, the yolks have so many important things inside of them. But when you take out the yolks and you're just eating the egg whites, you're kind of limiting yourself. So you have to get those fats in your diet. You will not get fat. There's tons of research being done about the links between saturated fat and overall health and brain function and different things like that. if you just do some searches around, Chris Kresser, he is one of the the biggest researchers and all different types of um, studies like this. So if you just look up him and you look up saturated fat, you will learn all the different results. And another thing I want to mention, Wendy, is the fact that people like to study and they like to do so much research before they go and test things on themselves. So these small diet changes like this, this is not something that you should paralyze yourself. And, and you're sitting there listening to this and you're paralyzing yourself and you're overanalyzing everything. If you just go out and try to make some of these simple changes, you'll see the results for yourself. So I think we get a lot of decision paralysis just because people are so confused about what to eat.
0: How does the paleo diet work for your genetics to keep a person healthy?
1: Well, we're genetically bred and genetically engineered to eat these foods. We're not designed to eat Doritos. So what the companies have done is they've tricked our sensory input. So basically, if you make things crunchy, spicy, or just really easy to grab, we get tricked. And this plays into genetics because the fast food industry actually affects your genetics. It affects your children's genetics. And there's a whole field called epigenetics, which is trying to link all these different types of diet and environmental concerns with overall health. So the paleo diet is the closest thing that we can do to try to eat like the species that existed for 2 million years before we got here. So, you know, we're shoved into this world and we have so many great advances in technology and different things like that, but our bodies are still very ancient in the sense that our genetics are expecting us to get exercise. Our genetics are expecting us to get sunshine. And they're expecting us to get high-quality food that was from the closest source to a natural animal that we can possibly get. So it's it's the utmost importance.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense to eat like our ancestors because basically if you, you know, I think I just listened to a really interesting podcast from Mike Adams. Uh, He has the Health Ranger show and he was talking about how, um, you know, we definitely have to eat foods that we're adapted to. Uh, We're adapted to eating grass-fed meats. We're adapted to eating, um, you know, the vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds and not a whole lot else. But we also can adapt to eating new foods. And that's why I think it's interesting that you definitely want to follow like a paleo diet, eating only those foods. But... Because we can't adapt to eating new foods, like some people can eat dairy, some people can eat grains. I think everyone should cut out gluten and sugar, without exception, because those are, you know, both proven to be really, really bad for your health. But I thought I I like the the take on the adaptations of the paleo diet because our bodies can't adapt to eating foods to which we previously haven't adapted to, and I think that's sometimes the Paleo community goes a little, uh, you know, maybe off the mark a little bit because if we couldn't, we should, if we're told we shouldn't ever eat foods that we're not adapted to, then how do we learn to eat all these other foods? I mean, at some point, humans, they encounter foods that they've never eaten before and we adapt to eating them. Like the lactase enzyme, that was a very, very simple adaptation that happened really, really quickly when we started uh, able to, you know, you know, domesticate animals and start milking them, um, but again, but that's why that dairy doesn't work for most people and grains don't work for most people because they were just started being uh, cultivated like ten or fifteen thousand years ago. So, and I right. think that. So, what is your take on that?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like I said, you have to test these things for yourself. And we are always adapting. So these adaptations, you know, the one with milk. It did happen very fast, but other adaptations will not happen very fast. Like I said, you just have to test things. And let's face it, we're in in an environment that is so far away from what our ancestors lived that I understand how it can be confusing. I understand you're going to be in situations where a cupcake and a cookie are going to come out on the counter and they're going to look delicious and people are going to tempt you with stuff like that. But once you get really tuned into your body, you'll start to learn how these things affect you. And you will learn what adaptations you can and cannot do for your personal self. So like I said, I'll eat some local cheese, and it's fine. But some people, it might send them straight to the bathroom or have gas or any kind of condition like that. So you just have to pay attention and just test every single food. It's very specific. Blueberries could set some people off. So it's crazy how it works.
0: Yeah, I know. I keep trying to test gluten, and it just does not
1: work for me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I keep testing that one over and over. I'm like, oh, I should have learned my lesson.
1: Yeah, it's hard to avoid. It definitely takes practice, and it definitely takes a long time to just make all those different changes. I mean, the first thing for people is just clearing out your pantry. That's some of the hardest things to do. When you, you look back at what was considered a staple food for you or some kind of nostalgic food, just clearing out the pantry is is uh, emotional uh, in itself. You know, the, the emotional aspect is, is huge in any diet change.
0: Yeah, I know it, it's it's hard to change the diet, especially if you have your beloved foods. You like bagels or or you know co- chocolate chip cookies. Those are my problem, but you can change. You can adapt and eat your protein and vegetables. And I love my diet now. I, it's, I I savor every bite. And I I never thought five years ago that I wouldn't be eating tortillas and bread and sandwiches and things like that. But I'm fine.
1: Yeah, it's a good feeling, and it it is overwhelming for people. So that's something that we don't talk about too much is just the emotional part of it. And I think it's just important to take baby steps because you can get overwhelmed. And if you try to think of things as a diet and you think of the restrictive nature of the word diet, you can really stress yourself out and then end up causing worse problems than than the good food will actually benefit you. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I know the paleo diet has improved my health. Like When I was vegetarian, I developed adrenal fatigue and thyroid issues and numerous vitamin deficiencies like iron and B12 and vitamin D. And I've been on the paleo diet for a year, and those have pretty much all corrected. You know, the adrenals and thyroid are taking a little bit longer to correct because they just take time. But it's, the diet's really corrected all of my nutritional deficiencies. And I'm just wondering exactly how has the paleo diet improved your health?
1: Well, the first thing for me was my sleep. So I used to work third shift, and that's a very non-paleo thing, I'll have to say. That's something that wouldn't have existed up until about 100 or 200 years ago with the advent of better lanterns and, and light technology. So anyway, I worked third shift, and my sleep was horrible. So in combination of me changing back to day shift and changing my diet at the same time. It could have been a correlation, and there could have been a relation of both of these things improving my life, but I just slept better. So if you're experiencing some kind of intestinal discomfort from eating gluten, eating bread, and different things like that all the time, your your pooping patterns are so unregulated that, that was a problem for me. That's what kept me up. Some nights I didn't know if I could could lay down without my stomach being upset. So that was one of the, the big things for me. And secondly, I just I feel better and my skin has improved too. So my acne was probably related to the hormones. Actually, most certainly related to the hormones in the chicken from Tyson or all these mainstream companies. And so my acne has cleared up. My skin is a lot clearer. My skin feels better. I feel better. I think better. I have better focus. I have better results in the gym, especially when I'm consuming carbs at the right time, especially when I'm consuming these fats in higher quantities than I used to. My performance is better, too. So it's a whole mind-body revelation, really. But the most notable effects are just my mental stamina I don't get tired as easily. I can finish a full day of work. I could go to school, focus for 4 hours there, come home, focus on the computer, write, talk to you. You know, I could I could do so much more without being drained.
0: Yeah, I agree. I had the same thing when I was vegetarian. I had just after 2 years, I had reached a point where I just could not think. I would be reading something and taking notes for my blog. I'd be reading have to take note of a page number and then go to a page and write it down and I couldn't remember it and I tested myself a like hundred times out of a hundred times I could not remember looking at the page number and then going to write it down and that's when I decided to go to my doctor and figure out what what the hell was wrong with me like i i'm not i'm forty it's not like I'm an old person where i my memory is just completely gone. And now after being on the paleo diet and getting all those omega-3s that I was missing from my vegetarian diet, I don't ever have that problem. That doesn't ever happen anymore. And it really goes to show you that one of the reasons why our, our, we went from monkeys to men and our brains uh, increased in size was because these monkeys came out of the tree and started scavenging on the ground, and they started sucking bone marrow and eating brains. They started scavenging carcasses. And the DHA, which is the, the fats that you're finding in these omega-3 rich grass-fed meats, was what was fueling our brain and ca- caused it to grow and caused us to evolve. So if we don't have those healthy omega-3 fats, our brain just don't work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you're if you're coming from the vegetarian or the vegan standpoint, you know if you're if you're concerned with all the ethical issues and stuff like that you can call the farms that are near you and ask them about how the cow's life was or how the pig's life was, and they'll tell you. And if they won't tell you, then you should probably find a better source for meat. So that's something I'm working on right now.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point because a a lot of people that are vegetarians are very skeptical about eating meat. But the truth is uh, they don't want to kill animals or hurt animals. But the truth is that Lear Keith made a really, really good point about this that she says that no matter what you put on your plate, no matter what you eat, something had to die to get that food on your plate because this big, you know, monoculture agriculture that's going on, um, all the wheat that's planted in the Midwest, uh, all the buffalo had to go extinct to, to plant these huge crops. And, uh, you know, rainforest in Brazil is being cut down to plant soybeans. It's a huge market for soybeans there. And so all of the life, like not even just the animals, but the bacteria and the birds and everything, that ecosystem has to, to be demolished to grow these plants. So it's kind of an error in judgment to think that if you're only eating plants, you're not harming animals.
1: Right. Yeah, and and you're affecting the environment too, and that's something that we haven't quite figured out yet because the population is just skyrocketed, and we're trying to keep up with food production. You know, but I guess the, the easiest thing for people to do to, to to combat this is just to grow some some herbs or a couple things in your backyard or in your windowsill, just to try to feel a little bit more like you're self-sufficient.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's sad that. I think the paleo diet probably isn't, it's not sustainable for everybody. I mean, there's only so much grassland where all these grass-fed cows can graze. But unfortunately, it's just one of those things where the majority of the planet doesn't eat meat simply because they can't afford it. So some advocates of the paleo diet say, oh, well, uh, it's not sustainable. And it's not, but it's almost like a survival of the fittest. You know, the people with with more money they can afford to buy this meat are the ones that are going to thrive and and uh you know have better health
1: right yeah it, it's unfortunate the amount of people the the billions of people worldwide that have no access to high quality foods like this but you know I, I try to just do one method of being grateful every day just to just to show my respect and just to be very grateful for everything that we have we have so much op- opportunity to be able to get high quality food like this so even that in itself is a miracle
0: Mhm. So do you think the paleo diet is the best for optimum health?
1: From what I've seen in all the results of people that Rob Wolf and Chris Cresser, Dr. Loren Cordain, all these different names that you hear in the paleo community, they've seen so much change in people's health, and I've seen changes in people that I talk to and their health, in my health, I haven't seen a, a better alternative at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I just heard nothing but good things as well. You know, and all the research that I've done, it just, in my opinion, it does seem like the, like definitely the best diet for you know the optimum health. Absolutely. Right. You know, of course, yeah, give some exceptions that some people they can't eat. If they've got kidney issues; they probably can't eat as much protein.
1: Right. Yeah, that's something that. That I learned myself, too, is that, you know, when you hear the caveman diet or anything like that, people think you're just gorging on pounds and pounds and pounds of meat a day. But, like I said, meat is something that's specific for each person, too. So, like you already mentioned, and when I talk with Dr. Peter Osborne, he, he told me the same thing, is that sometimes meat, is a huge, huge, huge debilitating food for people and that they have to go to a vegetarian diet for a while just to heal first. Mhm.
0: Yeah, that's what I was saying, how in the paleo diet is wonderful, but it doesn't work for every single person. You know, some people thrive being vegan. I don't think it's probably a small number of people, but it's different diets, different strokes for different folks. Right. So, can you tell me a story of someone you've met that has seriously improved their health on the paleo diet?
1: Yeah, my buddy Matt. He is an amateur bodybuilder, and he has he's uh, done a couple competitions now. He's he's in top five in both competitions, which was awesome. And he accredited to the paleo diet, and he wasn't familiar with the term the paleo diet either. He just knew that he wanted to be healthy and he needed to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. So how do you do that? You eliminate all the processed foods. So he was a, he was a big sufferer of acne, all kinds of back acne and facial acne. And when he switched to higher quality foods, he noticed a reduction in acne. He also worked third shift. He still does work third shift now. But he said he does sleep better. He, he can build muscle almost effortlessly. Which that depends on the, the person too. But it's basically just a combination of acne disappearing, almost, I'd say at least 50% better acne, and a lot more muscle, and a lot less fat. So basically, he's just been able to fine-tune his body. He was already pretty pretty healthy before, but when he just fine-tunes some of these things, he just notices an overall well-being and basically has a six pack without even flexing just based off his low body fat percentage, which has happened from reducing the carb intake and eliminating bread and different things like that.
0: So how does fitness play into this whole paleo lifestyle? Like, some of, What are some of the, what are some of the uh, like secrets of ancestral fitness, so to speak?
1: <laughs> well, my, my main thing is trying to go barefoot. So, if you're living in metropolitan area, you're in the middle of Los Angeles, maybe this is going to be a little bit harder for you. But if you can, you can get the Vibrams or the Filas. There's different brands of barefoot shoes that are coming out now, and I think it's a great thing. And the concept behind that is why would we have toes if we're going to shove them into a mainstream shoe? If we if we were built to put our foot into a mainstream shoe, we would have just developed flippers instead of having these toes that give us such ability to grasp things. We can sense the environment better. You can feel rocks when you're running trails. So we're built to connect to the ground. I mean, there's so many nerves in your feet. There's a reason that foot massages are so huge around the world, and there's a reason that foot massages are so relaxing. The amount of nerves that are in them just speak to the fact that we're supposed to be on these feet bare ground as much as possible. So that that's one of the main things in fitness is I try to do some sort of exercise in grass. I try to avoid walking on sidewalks as much as possible. It could sound silly to some people, but I've had joint problems. I have a torn meniscus, slightly torn meniscus in my, my right knee. And when I switched to barefoot shoes and when I started walking on the grass next to the sidewalks, I noticed a huge improvement in the way my joints feel, and my low back pain especially. So those are those are some of the two things that, that improve for me.
0: Yeah, I've heard that, like, there's some studies out there that show that you definitely have a, a better alignment when you just walk on your feet, and that using shoes actually screws up your natural alignment.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, lo- look at your, your your mainstream tennis shoe right now. You're getting, most of the time, you're getting a higher level in the back you know, I won't even go into high heels. We can, we can let you come to your own conclusion on those. But when your foot is so artificially raised in the back, it literally does change the whole alignment of your spine. So I've talked to a couple chiropractors about this, and they just they see there's actually chiropractors that are waking up to this, and they're seeing the connection between mainstream shoes and back pain and other types of alignment and spine problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I saw I, I first saw the barefoot shoes coming out and that people were actually going to start running in them, uh, I, that's kind of like in the '80s they started to come out, and I thought people were insane because I thought that you had to wear these shoes to cushion your joints and cushion, you know, the uh, how straining running or exercising or whatever it can be on your joints. But actually, the opposite is true. You need that maybe a little bit of stress to have that proper alignment, and to, to that stress to tone your body and have everything work correctly, and even to have your foot develop correctly. Like even with my baby, I w- I've been told by uh, you know an orthopedic therapist that she needs to walk without shoes so that her feet can form properly.
1: That's great.
0: So. So how have ancestral principles of fitness health you own?
1: Well, the main thing is just trying to get exercise outside. So basically right now what we do is we pay however many dollars per month to get in our car and drive into an air-conditioned facility that has no plants, it's full of fluorescent lighting and tons of machines, and we're expected to go in there and develop some sort of sustainable exercise routine and leave and feel good about ourselves, which that is completely possible. I have a gym membership myself, and I love it. But getting exercise outside is just a completely different world. I went for a five-mile bike ride yesterday, and I just pay attention to things more. It makes you more aware, and it improves your everyday life because you start to take things in smaller strides. So basically just walking, you go down the street, you might notice something that you've never noticed before. Maybe it's a a pretty tree or a pretty flower that you've never seen on this certain street corner before. You never would have noticed that if you were driving your car. So that's like one of the most beneficial things. It's, It's kind of a form of meditation. I mean, we live in a stressful place, and if you go from your car to your office back out to your car, your gym you're not really getting any time out in nature so it's just a it, it's a it's a double whammy to be inside and exercise but it's a double win-win situation if you're outside and exercising okay answer the question oh yeah absolutely
0: so how can someone go about incorporating ancestral principles into their workout routine
1: the main thing is just getting outside as much as possible so like i mentioned I went on a bike ride. That's one easy way. You know, technically, um, for me, bike riding is a very low-impact exercise. So while that might not be considered ancestral, it's just a very low-impact thing that helps me. It helps my muscle soreness. So if I'm very sore, I'll just go for a bike ride, and it literally loosens up my whole body. So that's one aspect. The main thing is just getting outside. And use nature as your playground and, and use nature as your gym. So there's a couple places around me where there's natural stepping stones, probably about 100 yards of stepping stones that go up this massive grass hill. And there's also a big uh, hill near me called Dog Hill, and that's where everyone, when they do their sprints, they'll sprint up this grass hill to the top. And it's a very popular local fitness thing around me. So that's just one thing that you can do. And the other thing is to use your whole body. So, if we have any listeners that are the chronic cardio junkies, they just they only run, they only jump on treadmills and ellipticals, and they're just used to this steady what they call steady state cardio. That's something that wouldn't have really existed in ancestral times. We only would have had sprinted. We're assuming that we would only have sprinted to hunt our food or when we're running from a tiger or we're in these fight-or-flight modes. That's the whole reason that, you know, our adrenaline is is still in existence today. But when you're doing this steady-state cardio, what a lot of people love, is hour, hour-and-a-half long steady-state motion, you're not really benefiting yourself. So if you can just switch from that and try to go to a more intense but shorter duration – you will burn way more fat, and you'll feel better too. You won't wear yourself out. I think that people could lead themselves down the route of adrenal fatigue just based off their their exercise routine.
0: Yeah, I've heard that the uh, the high intensity interval training is the mm-hmm. one that's like most like what you just mentioned is most closely related to how the cavemen worked out because they would run after their food or be running away from a from a predator or whatnot. Uh, Can you explain kind of the, um, you know, the theory behind uh, high-intensity interval training?
1: Yeah, the the basis of it is that you're doing very intense exercise for a short amount of time. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sprinting. And basically what you can do, for me, my sprint day is 10 30-second sprints, or whatever, if I'm on a track that has turns, I'll sprint the straights, and I'll walk the curves. So that's something that's very easy. And the concept behind it is just to keep this alternating heart rate and just to keep your system from exhausting itself. When you do that six or seven-mile-an-hour run on the treadmill, not only are you just clunking on your joints the entire time and just kind of wearing yourself down slowly, this high-intensity stuff, it really invigorates you. I feel much better doing This interval training And you can do that with circuits too That's another thing that you can try And basically You want to go from one type of workout To another So what I like to do is go from a pushing exercise To a pulling exercise So what I'll do Is I'll do three sets of this circuit I'll do ten pull-ups Followed by ten push-ups Or ten push-ups followed by ten pull-ups And you do ten of each Consecutively No break in between and then you rest for thirty seconds or, or a minute. You just have to go off what your body feels, and then you do it again. And that's that circuit training. That kind of relates to high intensity interval training. Those are probably the two best exercise methods for fat loss and just overall strength gains.
0: Yeah, because I was, uh, you know, it was myself. I discovered high intensity uh, high intensity interval training. It's called HIIT. Uh, when I, I was just reading something and. You know, I used to do the one-hour treadmill routine or one-hour walk and just kind of do it slow and steady pace. But when I switched to just doing 20 minutes of the high-intensity intervals where I'm just going as hard as I can for 30 seconds and then kind of just relaxing for 90 seconds and then doing that over and over and over in that cycle, I got so many more benefits. And apparently, like, you burn fat. For longer after that workout than you do if you do an entire hour of just walking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They say that you can do a four-minute sprint and you'll get the same benefits as a half hour to hour of walking. That's it's pretty it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean because that that's what the cavemen were doing. That's what like our bodies were designed to do. And some of these like runners out there, I mean, I mean we were just not designed to run. It's like they're just dest- they destroy their tissues, they destroy their joints doing that because we just weren't built to do that.
1: Yeah, if somebody wants to read about some of the things behind marathons and just some of the detrimental effects to your body from a lifetime of marathons, you should look up Rich Roll. He also has a podcast and he wrote a book and he talks about his experience as an ultra marathon athlete and how basically he's he's changed his whole mentality on this chronic very long duration, very intense exercise like doing marathons and, and triathlons and different things like that. So that's a that's a good resource.
0: Uh, those ultra marathons are crazy. That's where people are running a hundred miles as opposed to the twenty six mile regular marathon. Wow, it's mean, it's just like insane to me. Yeah, <laughs> I've never run is. two miles in my life, so I can't imagine it.
1: <laughs> yeah, really.
0: So I hear that you went to the Paleo FX in Austin. Uh, What was going on down there?
1: It was incredible, and I hope to see you there next year. I'm going to be
0: there next time. I promise. Okay,
1: sweet, sweet. Paleo FX is a convention down in Austin, Texas. It happens every year. This was the second year for it, and there was tons of panels. So basically you go into a room, and there's five amazing people on this stage And basically, we just cover all kind of topics. So it's a very interactive experience. It's not this kind of um, idolizing effect that you get from most of the the doctors in the medical industry where people are put on these ivory towers. I mean, you could just go up and you could speak to anyone and everyone. It was a very down-to-earth thing. And basically, we just covered tons of topics. Adrenal fatigue was by far the most popular uh, room that I went to. Mm. and there was cooking demonstrations. There is supposed to be a box of beef coming to my door any day that I ordered there. There's all kind of samples of high-quality beef. They give you a a little fun bag of beef jerky and stuff like that, but basically Mm. it's just being surrounded by some of the most passionate and healthy people that I've ever seen. That's how you sum it up. It's an incredible experience. Anybody should go be a part of some kind of group if you can this whole thing is much easier when you have a partner or a group of people that support you like this
0: yeah i heard like all the biggest names that tell were there like mark sisson of mark's daily apple and sean croxton and chris Cresser, and just all kind all the balanced girls were there one of them was there
1: yeah yeah mark didn't show up this year for some oh, reason he didn't? He, oh, he said, no. yeah i think at the last one but uh I think he was he was busy with his thing. He has a thing called Primal con now. It's kind of a another conference. maybe he was setting up for that. I'm not sure, but but yeah all the all the people there are very down to earth it's an it's it's an incredible experience and you learn too i mean I have a notebook sitting right here of notes and people's phone numbers and names of people I connected with i mean it was great.
0: Yeah, and also if, uh, you know, people want to learn where to get, uh, like, how where they can buy these grass and meats, you can definitely check out eatwild.com. And, um, well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Evan. I think mean, that's all the questions that I have. And can you tell the listeners where you're located and where they can find you?
1: Yeah, sure. You can find me back at notjustpaleo.com. I have a podcast, too. Wendy and I have done a couple episodes. I have other people. It's called Not Just Paleo because that is not the only component to health. So I go into other things, sleep habits, reducing anxiety, breathing techniques, and stuff like that. So if you want to just tie diet to fitness to sleep and just tie all these things together, that's what I cover at my site and on my podcast. So you can check me out there. I'm on Twitter and Facebook too. You can just search for Not Just Paleo and you'll find me.
0: Yeah, and I love your podcast. I mean, I've been a guest on your show, but I just think you just do a really great job of interviewing people, and I love some of the guests you've had on your show, and I've really learned a lot from listening to your podcast. So thank you for contributing to society in that way.
1: Well, thank you, Wendy. Hopefully I've helped some of your listeners too.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Um,
1: I'll talk to you soon, Evan. All right. Thank you. Bye.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, that was Evan Brand of NotJustPaleo.com. He was fantastic. Um, I'll see you guys next week when I interview Leader Chan on the uh, benefits of doing physical therapy. Bye-bye.